Welcome to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week I speak to leading figures from the world of sustainability and explore the sustainability agenda in marketing and strategy, technology, innovation, investment and finance. We look at the latest thinking, what's working and the future and evolution of the sustainability agenda. The wireless product line was developed really by our designers who said, you know, we understand the environmental impact of our product, a pair of Levi's in the entire life cycle, all the way from growing cotton through manufacture and consumer use, uses a thousand gallons of water, or in liters, it's um, it's uh, about 2,700 liters of water in the entire life cycle for one pair of Levi's. And our designers said, wow, that's a lot of water. What can we do to reduce that? And so they challenged our production people and said, we want the same look, because for designers, the aesthetic is very important. We want the same look, but use it, you do it or achieve it using less water. Three years ago, our company, along with a number of other leading companies like um, Nike and, and H&M, um, made a commitment that by 2020, we would have zero discharge of hazardous chemicals. I'm very pleased today to introduce Michael Kabori, Vice President of Sustainability at Levi Strauss and Company. Michael has led sustainability at Levi Strauss since 2001. Under his leadership, Levi's been a leader in bringing sustainability to the apparel industry, and Michael has helped drive an industry collaboration on sustainability, serving as chair of the Better Cotton Initiative and board member of the Sustainable Apparel Coalition. Thank you very much, Michael, uh, for taking the time today to speak to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to having an opportunity to speak to you to talk about the great work that you're doing at Levi Strauss on the sustainability front and some of the the, the progress you've made and and your vision for the future. Well, thanks, Virgil. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell me a little bit about your role in the company. Sure. So I am Vice President of Sustainability, and I am responsible for all aspects of what we call social sustainability. So that's um, people and labor issues primarily, or labor standards in our supply chain, uh, the workers who are making our products, and also all of our environmental sustainability programs. Great, great. And what does sustainability mean to you uh, in the company, and, uh, and 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 you know how important is it? Well, for us here at Levi Strauss and Company, sustainability means not just minimizing the negative impacts that we may have, reducing the impacts that we have on people and the planet. It also means trying to identify ways that we can actually make a more positive impact for people and the environment. Right, right. Can you give me some example of that? Is, is that a, is that a uh, progression or a change of perspective? I suppose, you know, could you talk a little bit about Levi Strauss' sustainability journey and where you are on the journey and, and how you got to that place? Uh, of course. Well, as you know, we're, uh, as a company, 163 years old. Uh, we were founded by Levi Strauss himself. So there was actually a person named Levi Strauss. That's where the company gets its name. And he really set us on this path of what we today call sustainability. He endowed scholarships for women at the University of California. Uh, He supported 
orphanage in, an orphanage in San Francisco that we still support to this day. So he got us on this path of what what we say today is profits through principles. That's how the company thinks about the work that we do in this area. And over the years, we have continued that tradition. Um, and I would say, you know, jumping right up to more the the present day, uh, what I would consider our really our modern approach to sustainability really kicked off about 25 years ago when we were the first company to establish a comprehensive vendor code of conduct for all of our suppliers around the world that specified the labor, health and safety and environmental standards that they needed to follow. Right. And what would you say are some of the benefits of sustainability to the company? I mean, and how do you look at that? Well, I, I think over the years, you know, since we established that code of conduct, we've continued to advance our work in in many areas. Um, I would say areas that continue to build our brand um, and enhance consumers' uh, consumers' understanding and appreciation of of who we are and what we stand for. Uh, we've developed a process that uses less water to manufacture the garments. Um, we call it our water less process, and it's saved to date uh, over a billion liters of water, and that has really resonated with the consumer. Uh, we've also asked the consumer to, you may have heard our CEO talking about the fact that he never washes his jeans. Uh, we've asked the consumer to wash less and lying dry and washing cold water to reduce their impact on the planet. and so. Through these ways, we're really reaching the consumer and building our brand. And of course, there there are, there are also uh, cost savings for sustainability programs. Those waterless jeans that I mentioned save five cents per unit because they are produced using less water and less less energy. Right, right. And um, you mentioned consumers. Um, I guess you've got key target market, so so-called millennials. Do you measure the impact of, of your sustainability initiatives or, or how do you look at this and think about how consumers are responding? So one of the things that we're trying to do is to, as I mentioned, get consumers to wash less, line dry, washing cold. So we've embarked on a number of primarily web-based campaigns to do that. And so we can track the number of consumers that participate in those campaigns. We are also rolling out clothing recycling in all of our stores. We did this last year. We rolled it out in all of our stores in the United States, in the UK, Canada, and Japan. And so we can see how much consumers bring back. They're recycling their old clothes. Right, right. How has that initiative been going? Has there been, been a lot of take up? It's going very well. What we find is, see, we offer a coupon, a discount incentive for the consumers to bring back their old clothes. So they're doing that. The rate of redemption of that coupon program is the highest rate of redemption of any kind of promotional uh, program that we've offered. So there really is something to this uh, recycling issue. Consumers want to do it. Right, right. Can you talk a little bit about the employee side of this? Because I know for some companies this is an important uh, 
benefit uh, as well. There's a big impact from uh, sustainability initiatives. Right. I mean, I certainly mentioned the brand building benefits of sustainability, the cost savings. Of course, there's the risk reduction aspect as well in terms of regulations, staying ahead of regulations. With the employees, we find that sustainability and the work we're doing is a real driver of engagement. And what does that mean? And how do you look at that, Michael? Well, it helps with recruitment and retention. People want to come to Levi's because of what we stand for, because of the programs that we have, what we're doing around people in the environment. And so we're able to recruit top talent. Our, I mean, everybody from our current CEO who says this is one of the reasons he came to this company that dif differentiated it from others, other opportunities that he had, um, all the way through the ranks. People come here for sustainability, and I think they stay here in part because of what they're able to accomplish and, and what they're able to do. That's great. That's great. Can you tell me a little bit more about the your waterless product line, its genesis, and uh, you know where you see that going? Well, the waterless product line was developed really by our designers who said, you know, we understand the environmental impact of our product, a pair of Levi's, in the entire life cycle, all the way from growing cotton through manufacture and consumer use, uses a thousand gallons of water, or in liters, it's um, it's uh, about 2,700 liters of water in the entire life cycle for one pair of Levi's. And our designers said, wow, that's a lot of water. What can we do to reduce that? And so they challenged our production people and said, we want the same look, because for designers, the aesthetic is very important. We want the same look, but use it, you do it or achieve it using less water. And so our production people had to figure out, work with our suppliers to, to determine how do we reduce the number of cycles that we use? How do we use less water in the washing machine? Are there other techniques that we can use to get that same look and feel? They came up with 13 different techniques. They've been applying them for the past five years. And as I mentioned, uh, we, ha we have reduced our water use by over a billion liters in that, in that period. Today, 40% of all the Levi brand products are made using these waterless techniques. And our goal by 2020 is to really get that to 100%. That's great. It's a great uh, experience, uh, great result. Um, can you, talk to, you mentioned also the supply chain. What are some issues that you, you, you face or have faced in the past and you know, how, how are you bring sustainability into your supply chain? Well, I benefit from the fact that the way we are organized is such that I report to our chief supply chain officer. And she, uh, so I'm part of her team, I'm part of her leadership team, and she is ultimately responsible for not only making sure that we deliver the right product at the right price, the right time, to the right place, but that we deliver it in a sustainable manner. And so she looks to me and my team to partner with the people who are doing the product sourcing, the product development, to make sure that we're making the product using, for example, less water, less chemicals, no harmful chemicals, that the working conditions for the people making our product are not only meeting our compliance standards, but we are actually helping to improve workers' well-being through the programs that we're working on. 
So what would you say, Michael, have been some of the most challenging issues you've faced on your sustainability journey? Well, I think that, um, you know, we've actually been able to implement quite a number of um, programs that are reducing our impacts, that are, are helping create more positive impacts. One of the things that I would like us to be doing is talking more to our consumers about all of the work that we're doing. We've tended to be quite shy about that just because we've not wanted to um, not wanted to appear um, I don't know, disingenuous or that we're you know bragging or anything like that. But um, I think it is important for consumers to understand all of the different things that we are doing, so they can understand that the, there is a company here that is very committed to acting in a more responsible manner to make the products that they're purchasing from us. So. Getting the word out to consumers, I think, is is one of the key challenges and opportunities um, for us in the future. Right, right. Well, why do you think that's challenging, Michael? Because uh, I think for our brand, there are many messages that we're we're giving to the consumer today. I mean, Levi's are you know they're a great looking pair of jeans. Um, we make great clothes. They fit well. They're durable. They have high quality. Um, lots of messages, and so getting that sustainability message there, it's another message in a sea of lots of messages. So we really need to, to sharpen and refine that message. And as well, we need to appeal to the broadest range of consumers, uh, since our product appeals to the broadest range of consumers. We're not going after just those consumers who are only concerned about sustainability. It's really everybody. So how do we make that message very clear and, and easy to understand for people? Great, great. What lessons have you learned there, Michael? Um, in general, about how we're implementing the program? Well, more on the communication side of it. As you say, you have a lot of messages to get across. Um, how, how, how do you manage this communications? Yes, I mean, I would say that communications really break through when we are able to um, share with the consumer an example of what we're doing. The waterless jeans example is a very good one. Um, so the consumer could see, yep, this pair of jeans looks the same, gives me everything that I want, and it use, it's made using less water. And they can see that it's an added benefit for them. And I think when we can make that case that we're providing the consumer with added benefits from sustainability, it really resonates with the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, some sustainability initiatives are, I guess, what you say, clearly win-win and they're, you know, uh, pretty straightforward and easy to understand and make sense. I guess, you know, at the same time, there are other sustainability initiatives and uh, ways of bringing it into the business that is, uh, can be more challenging that involve, you know, involve trade-offs, difficult decisions where something has to, you know, has to be a trade-off. Can you give an example of, of, of that kind of uh, experience at Levi's? Um, sure. Three years ago, our company, along with a number of other leading companies like um, Nike and, and H&M, um, made a commitment that by 2020, we would have zero discharge of hazardous chemicals. Um, and so one of the things that we have um, decided to phase out, in fact, we decided to phase it out last year, was the use of a chemical called PFC, 
It's a coating on the product that provides for durable water repellency on a garment. So those, you know, raincoats that you, you um, buy that shed the water very easily, most of those um, are getting that benefit or that performance through this chemical called PFCs. Um, so we decided to phase it out uh, because we felt that it wasn't one of the preferred chemistries that we wanted to be using. Uh, so we found a replacement chemistry that was preferable, that was a greener chemistry, and started using that. Um, one of the challenges is that that replacement chemistry, even though it is a preferable chemistry and more sustainable, um, doesn't have quite the performance that those PFCs did. It still sheds water, but not as effectively. Uh, but we're committed to this and phasing out of PFCs, and so... Um, we're willing to accept that lower um, product benefit or product performance benefit um, in order to stick to our principles. Right, right. That's very interesting. And how do you get the message in internally? How, how do you spread the message? Because that can be challenging too to get everybody, you know, as many people in the company behind the sustainability initiatives to, you know, get them involved and engaged. Um, have, have you any insights into that process? Well, it's just constant uh, communications. We have a great internal communications team that helps us give the messages uh, to people. I go, we have these, um, every department has a town hall, as they call it, every quarter. And so I go and speak at those town halls. Um, I issue a quarterly letter to all of our employees. And we have a number of employee groups that have just sprung up spontaneously um, employees just getting together to volunteer their time to improve, say, the recycling program in our headquarters office. And so uh, we see there's a lot of passion that employees have for sustainability. They're willing to, you know, self-organize uh, to get some things done. And so tapping into that is, uh, is a really great opportunity that we have here. Great, great. What about investors? To what extent do you... Uh, have any interaction with the, I guess, the communication process with investors or get any sense of, of how important sustainability is to investors? Uh, we have more and more contact with investors. We are privately held, and so it, it isn't as though we do a lot, of, um, a lot of calls with the analysts, but we certainly have quarterly calls since our bonds are, private, are publicly traded, excuse me. Uh, so we are talking to more and more investors around sustainability, and we find that they are more and more interested in these issues. They term them ESG issues. That stands for Environment, Social, and Governance Issues. Mm. And increasingly, investors are interested in these issues because they not only help a company lower its risk profile, but they also indicate that a company is managing issues or capable of managing complex issues in a very effective way. And so it, it in some ways becomes a proxy for strong management. Yes, yes. And I think there's an increasing body of research showing the uh, positive impact of sustainability initiatives uh, in you know high sustainability companies in terms of their uh, profitability and in terms of their investment performance. So that seems to be an area where there's a growing body of evidence. Exactly. That's what we're seeing and that's what the investors are 
are telling us more, more and more that there is that high correlation. Great, great. And looking to the future, what, what are uh, some of your sustainability aspirations over the coming, you know, three to five years? Are there any particular initiatives, uh, exciting initiatives that you, you can point to? Well, I mentioned this worker well-being program to you. I, I didn't really describe it. Um, what it is, is going above and beyond the, simply the compliance programs uh, on labor compliance that we have with our vendors um, and working with vendors to identify what our workers needs above and beyond making sure that their rights are protected. And so we've surveyed workers, we've identified, for example, health, uh, financial literacy as two key areas where workers um, need more. And so our vendors are partnering with local service providers to give workers access to health care, um, training on maternal and child health care, training on financial literacy that actually improves outcomes for workers and it also has a positive return on investment for those vendors. There's less absenteeism and less turnover and you can actually measure that and they're getting an ROI of literally three to one for every for every dollar invested in these programs, they're seeing a $3 return on, on that investment. So it's great for the business and it's also great for for the workers. Right, that's interesting. Very interesting. And here we are on the cusp, um, uh, just the, the, the election has taken place. Uh, Donald Trump is the president-elect, is that I think uh, what, we, what we say. Um, I'm just wondering uh, what reflections you have on the last few years in America the uh, regulatory uh, uh, kind of drive and just mood in uh, corporate America with respect to sustainability and how important that's been. And I don't know whether you might, uh, looking forward, have any reflections. Uh, well, I would say that um, the, the corporate sector has actually been quite involved in driving, for example, for uh, the administration, the Obama administration, to support uh, the Paris Agreement. And we and a number of other companies were involved in an organization called BICEP that stands for Business for Innovative Climate and Energy Policy that uh, worked very hard to get the administration to sign on to the Paris Accords. And there were a number of other business associations that were doing the same thing. So the private sector has really pushed strong for climate protection and, and climate action. So I would say in the incoming administration, uh, given what the president-elect has said about um, his position on climate, I think that the business sector or the private sector will need to continue to weigh in strongly on the importance of this issue for, uh, for business. I think it... The election doesn't change the fact that climate is a very important issue for business and we will continue to uh, advocate for strong policies and programs at the at the US level and also at the global level. Right. Well, it's uh, early days and I think uh, over the next few months we'll get a better idea of what that's going to look like and uh, next year. But uh, thank you very much, Michael, for taking the time today to share your uh, experience and your vision, and I wish you the very best success in the future. Ergel, thank you. It's, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. I hope you found it interesting. 
Please sign up at the sustainabilityagenda.com website or on iTunes to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.